0: This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. In general, people are creatures of habit. I've realized over the past few years that I feel comforted in having routine and predictability in my life. I realize that at times, I do things a particular way simply because I've always done it that way. In our house, the toilet paper comes from under the roll. Why? I have no idea. That's just the way that my parents did it when I was growing up. I have no significant, substantive research indicating that in fact, it's the better of the two choices. I sleep on the right side of the bed. My car was always parked on the left side of the garage. And no matter what, my purse always has lip gloss, cinnamon-flavored gum, and a granola bar in it. We all have our routines and things that we enjoy doing. After losing my eyesight, however, many of my routines were no longer there. And I found it really challenging to find the joy in things that I once really loved to do. Yeah, it's totally possible to have a meaningful and fulfilling life as a blind or visually impaired person. I, however, felt very uncertain about all of the changes that were happening and how different my life really felt. I felt like I was drowning in fear and uncertainty and not many things were bringing joy into my life anymore. Everything was just so hard and confusing. I'm Becky Czar, and this is The Blind Reality. My family and I had to learn how to be creative and flexible in ways that we had never imagined. Initially, I didn't want to be creative or adapt. I quite liked the person that I was, and I didn't want to change. So initially, I dug my heels in and stubbornly tried to change nothing. And as a result, I did nothing— And doing nothing got boring really fast. Looking back, I was kind of acting like a tantruming child who was trying to hold their breath just long enough so they could get their way. But realistically, I could only hold my breath so long before I needed to come up for air. Reflecting back, we have made so many changes over the years, some of them bigger than others. The clothes that I wear are different. The furniture that I sit on is different. The home that we live in is different. But each of these pieces fit the life and the lifestyle that we live so much better. Getting to a new place of comfort and routine for me did not take place overnight. It was more like a 2-step forward and 12-step back process that slowly took place over the past several years. At one point, I remember telling myself that I wasn't the same person living the same life. So how could I possibly expect that I'm going to do the same activities and have all the same interests? I had to stop being so hard on myself. And I finally had to learn how to ask for help and embrace the changes. I finally thought that I could consider being open to change as long as it didn't represent me giving up, because I will never stop fighting to protect my eye and ultimately restore my sight. I'm not completely delusional, but in my heart, I totally believe that my vision journey is not over. So, as a result, I have placed certain activities on a temporary indefinite hold. the very first action that I placed on hold was my driver's license. Did you know that I never did get a visitor to my door, a phone call, or even a simple piece of snail mail from my license issuer to suggest that, you know, despite having a valid five-year license, that they and society in general would appreciate it if I did not drive? Of course, Dr. Garcia and I did have this conversation, and I was not driving. But nothing had been formalized until one day my husband, Brad, had drove me to the license issuer. I was greeted by a kind, elderly female employee who pleasantly asked me how she could help me. I informed her that I was there to return my license. The silence was deafening. I'm pretty sure that there were almost crickets chirping in the background. She told me that she had been working there for decades and she'd never had the scenario of somebody actually wanting to give their license back. She had no idea what the protocol was for this particular situation. I then informed her of my vision loss and that that was the only reason why I was there to give my license back. After several phone calls to various colleagues she returned to the desk and suggested that I just keep the license because it was going to be a lot easier and they had no idea how to actually take it back. But before I get you two worked up, there's no need to stress. Eventually, the lady did figure it all out. And now I no longer possess a valid driver's license, but rather a generic piece of government-issued photo ID. While I'm on the topic of driving, I should mention that despite not having a valid driver's license or anywhere near enough vision to operate any type of machinery, I did in fact keep my car for five years. I'm not entirely sure why it was so hard to let go. But whenever somebody had suggested to me that it was perhaps time to get rid of it, I always joked around and said, what if there's an emergency that I have to get to quickly? It took me a while for my heart to understand that if I sell my car, I still get to keep the memories that were once created within it. Besides, it was the vehicle that we brought our newborn son home from the hospital in. It was the vehicle that brought me to the job that I was so passionate about. It was the vehicle that guided us safely home from many family trips. It was the vehicle that our son pretended to drive when he was little, honking the horn while playing Raffi over the speakers, all while parked safely within our driveway. It was the vehicle that was full of so many happy memories. I then remember reminding myself that the memories were mine to keep forever. And perhaps it was time for somebody else to enjoy the vehicle as much as I once did. I have to admit, though, there was a thought lingering at the back of my mind that gave me that little extra motivation. I've always wanted a hot tub. I could use a hot tub all of my own and we could use it and enjoy it as a family, too. I know it doesn't really sound all that logical to connect the two together, but I totally did. And I proposed to my husband that we sell my car, and in turn, we buy a hot tub. Somehow, it worked. And now, sitting in our backyard is a hot tub. And within it, it holds brand new memories. Growing up, I loved crafting. I wasn't particularly good at it though, but it was definitely something I really enjoyed. And I most definitely wasn't creating inspirational masterpieces by any means either, even though I was a totally devoted viewer of Mr. Dress Up. As an adult, I loved making cards out of paper stock, stamps, and all sorts of fun crafting supplies. I'm sure I could likely put together a card today, and I've actually tried a few times over the years. But now, with my limited sight, I find it more stressful than soothing. So for now, I've placed all of my supplies in Rubbermaid bins. And occasionally, I pull them out with Bennett and we have some fun crafting time together. Our little family loved to go camping. A weekend here and a weekend there. We loved exploring the different parks and lakes. This variety that we used to seek out, ironically ended up being the factor that solidified our decision to sell the camper and buy a cabin. Pulling up to a new park or campsite, I found it particularly challenging. Always needing to relearn the layout was both stressful and exhausting, exactly the polar opposite of what camping used to represent to us. The beauty of a cabin is that everything remains the same, and that now creates comfort in my world. Shopping is something I've always loved. I'm not entirely sure, however, if it qualifies as a legit hobby. But if it does, it would most definitely be one of mine. I used to love sipping a hot chocolate while browsing the shops. I found it relaxing, fun, and I was rather good at it. And then, wham! My vision loss happened and my relaxing, mindless time shopping became stressful and so awkward. One of my first attempts to go shopping was with my parents during the time that I couldn't see anything at all. We were all so inexperienced and lacked a lot of skill and finesse when it came to knowing how to maneuver a public space properly. I was still very much in the phase where I didn't want to use my white cane. So obviously, I didn't even bring it with me. I was also a 33-year-old grown adult who wasn't super pumped to hold my mom's hand in public. So I just sort of listened and followed behind, which looking back, it was absolutely ridiculous on my behalf. Our first stop that day was at the pet store. We had to stop there to get some dog food for our family dog, Cody. We had successfully navigated our way into the store, and just inside the doors, my mom decided to stop and I ran straight into her. My mom grabbed me and said, "'Oh my goodness, are you all right?' I said, "'Yep, great.'" I asked her what she was doing and why she suddenly stopped. She said she wasn't exactly sure where they kept his food. I then described his food, the general location, and what the bag looked like, and I was hoping we could figure the rest out from there. I remember thinking, this really shouldn't be that big of a deal. This used to be like a three-minute stop for me my mom and i proceeded to look around for the dog food at one point she totally left me in the aisle she didn't mean to do it but she was browsing around looking for the dog food and totally forgot to tell me when she walked away from me suddenly i was standing there talking to her and she wasn't even there and i had no idea if there was other people around me so i didn't want to call out mom where are you like a lost child A few moments later, she came back, gasping, completely horrified, and said, oh my god, I completely just left you there. We stood there for a moment, and then we burst out laughing. Our next stop was the grocery store. There, she kept a much closer eye on me. She offered for me to hold onto the side of the cart, and at one point, she even suggested that perhaps it would be easier for everyone if I got into the cart, and rode around for the rest of the trip in there, I remember standing there picturing myself riding around as a 33 year old in my mom's cart in the middle of Sobeys and I couldn't stop myself from laughing. This was my life. But needless to say my family has an amazing sense of humor and it has become most definitely a big part of our coping mechanism. That day had been a hot mess, but in time I realized that I had to embrace the change. I couldn't make things go back to how they once were. That was a complete impossibility. And if I opened my mind up just a little, even for a moment to the possibility that change might be okay, then it may be alright to stretch outside of my comfort zone in order to allow myself to do things that I once enjoyed, even if it's in an unfamiliar way. I now had the opportunity to recreate my new normal, and I have no idea why I was chosen to walk this journey, but I figure, why not make the best of it? I was constantly being encouraged by my family and friends to go out and to independently engage in the world around me. In fact, we actually sold our beautiful acreage to move back into the city to allow me to feel less stuck and to give me more freedom. While waiting to have possession of our new house, we temporarily rented an apartment. And I remember sitting there, just thinking about going out into the world independently was totally overwhelming. But eventually I caved and I decided to give it a whirl. However, convincing myself to actually follow through was once again one of the bigger challenges. I remember sitting there thinking, I'm virtually free to do whatever I desire. This was a feeling that I had not experienced for quite some time. I was free to go wherever I wanted. So after a full week of being moved into the city, why had I not left the building at all by myself? It's winter in Saskatchewan, which means it's beyond frigid outside. That to me sounds like a completely justifiable reason. I think. Really, where would I go and what would I do? Who wants to go ripping around with a white cane in the middle of winter by themselves for no real reason? But I'm here in the city and apparently I'm ready to embark on the next part of my journey. But my journey has taken me as far as my living room couch. Okay, so I've spent a significant amount of time over the last few years talking about just how delightful it would be to go around and do things independently. But let's be honest, it's real easy to do the talk. And I like to talk. So I was thinking, groceries. I've done that a million times. Besides, who really hangs out at a grocery store on a Tuesday morning? I'm sure it will be completely dead. There it is. It's decided. It's decided groceries will be my very first baby step. I tell myself that I will do this once I get Bennett off to school. Today is the day that I, Becky Czar, will leave my little apartment to make my independent debut out in the world getting groceries with my beloved white cane. I really hope you're hearing my hesitation and slight sarcastic tone. So, I phoned and I found my bus route. I got all bundled up and I made my first steps out into the free world. I was about 10 steps away from the door, out in the frigid cold weather. And about 90% of me, I would say, wanted to turn around and go back to my couch. But somehow, the 10% of me, the logical, reasonable part of me, I suppose, kept taking step after step towards the bus stop. Eventually, I reach the bus stop, and I'm standing there, out in the cold, freezing, waiting for a bus that I really hope shows up before the 90% of me takes over and brings me back to my inviting, comfortable couch. Eventually, yes, the bus did arrive, and I was seated on my way to do a not overly adventurous fairly routine mundane task of getting a few groceries as the bus twist and turn throughout the streets i couldn't help but let out a little giggle i'm not entirely sure what that giggle represented or why it felt it needed to escape at that particular moment two thoughts crossed my mind one i am doing what once was one of the most routine tasks and It has taken me a significant amount of effort to get to this point, and I haven't even reached my destination. The second reason I can only attribute to my pure, shocking level of bliss and excitement. Who knew the frigid winter temperatures combined with a bumpy bus ride to go grocery shopping on Senior's Day would bring me so much joy and excitement? Eventually, yes, I did make it to the store. As I was walking up, I saw the row of cards. Great, I'm thinking. I found a card easily enough, and I totally looked casual doing it. Yes! As I got a little bit closer, my excitement, however, started to fade. As I started to realize, those are the children's cards. You know, the ones with the flags on them. Part of me? Just wanted to grab one so I can continue on and get all of this craziness over with. But then I realized how completely ridiculous I was going to look. Picture it, the blind lady walking around with the children's cart in the grocery store. (sighs) That wouldn't draw any attention at all to me now, would it? So I continued on with my hunt, and eventually I rolled up on the real adult-size grocery carts. Score, I thought. In all of my triumphant excitement, I grabbed the cart and started towards the produce section. I had my white cane in one hand while pushing the cart with the other. I suddenly came to a complete halt as I realized what I was doing and how absolutely ridiculous this all looked. It came apparent to me at that moment that I had not thought this entirely through. What was I supposed to do with the flipping white cane while I'm pushing this cart? This giant steel cart? This was a question that I had never thought to ask. How come nobody has never told me this before? Crap! Now what? I thought I had this all cased out, and here I am, cart and cane in hand, in the middle of the produce section. I remember thinking, oh boy, now what? Bake it until you make it, is what popped into my head. This was always my slogan that I had when I had my first government job. Portray confidence, I tell myself. You can do it. Smile and look as though you've done this a million times. I ease my grip on the cart and I slowly begin to collapse my white cane. I then place it neatly inside the cart. I start to have a wild conversation in my head as if to answer all of the questions of my fellow shoppers. Yes. We frequently place our canes in the cart or wagon or whatever it happens to be. It's very logical. In fact, there's a written protocol instructing us to do so. You know, it's part of a comprehensive blind person training package. And actually, I splurged and got the deluxe version. So I'm really on top of this. I eventually clear and calm my thoughts and I'm able to find some of my items that I was looking for and I only bumped into a couple of displays. But in my defense, it's not the best idea to stack a whole bunch of crap at the end of aisles. Sight or no sight, those carts are huge. And really, it's just an accident waiting to happen. I am happy to say that I survived my first solo outing to the grocery store. As I sat down on my warm, cozy couch, a little smile came over my face and I felt completely triumphant. I think I might actually be able to do this, I thought. And for the first time, a small part of me actually believed it. Over time, I've realized that grocery shopping for the most part has a predictable pattern, especially if you routinely go to the exact same grocery store. We are creatures of habit and commonly purchase many of the same items over and over. However, when it comes to other items that are only purchased periodically, fluidly completing these type of transactions for someone like me who is visually impaired can be a little bit more cumbersome and can take a little bit more effort to finesse. Example one is buying underwear. When it comes to buying underwear, my desired items are fairly straightforward. I've never been one to take many risks. Growing up, I was only introduced to cotton, full-coverage, up-to-your-belly-button type of underwear. I guess I've never really come to understand the need for all the varying options. Cotton, silk, thong, brief, bikini, lace, etc. To me, especially now as a visually impaired person, underwear has become even more confusing and problematic in so many ways. While we're on the topic of underwear, I would just like to spend a quick second to advocate for the return of the tag. Yeah, I'm talking about the tangible, typically white tag that for centuries occupied a small space at the top, rear side of the underwear. Who made the decision that this was no longer needed and could alternatively be substituted with a tiny screen print label? My question to them is, what were you thinking? In their defense, however, I do fully understand that nobody wishes to have their underwear tag bearing the general condition and size on display to the entire world. To have the, your underwear tag is showing conversation is in any way an awkward conversation. However. For those of us who are now trying to read the underwear size printed on the burgundy fabric in the black ink in six font is not pleasurable either. I've been there in the ladies underwear store as my husband paces back and forth out front. To Brad, each minute feels like an eternity. Finally, he eventually gives in and joins the other male strangers on the bench as they all awkwardly wait. Now, my husband is super helpful in about 95% of situations I ask him for help with. However, he's drawn the line in two scenarios. One is coming into the underwear store. He tells me he's not that guy. And the second is with the purchase of female supplies. I honestly can't believe him for that sight or no sight, I would 100% prefer that my mom still made those purchases for me. Anyway, as I was saying, I'm on board to eliminate the flapping underwear tag, but can't we just come to an amicable solution that would work for us all? I believe that we can just simply sew the tag into a place, into its proper position. One line at the top and one line at the bottom. See, that's not rocket science at all. Really, it remedies multiple issues in one. It remedies the tag hanging out. It denotes the back of the underwear from the front for those of us who choose to wear underwear that covers both sides of our body, all while still allowing the readability of the helpful sizing information. Ta-da, win-win. Lastly, let's talk about the purchasing of feminine supplies. As I previously alluded, this is most definitely not my favorite activity. I would much rather sniff the aromatic scents of an outhouse on a hot summer day. I would rather have each of my leg hairs individually plucked out. I would proudly sign up for pretty much any other activity than this. This has never been my thing. So when I lost my sight, I kind of thought maybe this was one positive thing that could come from this all. Besides, how on earth would a blind person buy such items? So, without one moment of guilt, this task got passed back to my mom when I lost my sight. (laughs) It was epic! However, I made one slight mistake in my plan. I no longer live with my parents. So, I went to the second person in line my delightful husband my loving, caring husband who would do anything for me surely he would help me out with this task as well but to my dismay his answer was no I honestly really hadn't heard that word many times from him at all he really meant it though no it was a flat out no shoot alright, I guess I'm going to have to deal with this I have to put on my big girl panties and conquer this challenge too. So, while in Walmart, my husband said that he would drop me off on the aisle and wait for me one aisle over. I thought that I would at least recognize something. Something should look familiar. But no, I stood there for what felt like an eternity. What have these companies done? They've gone and changed all of their labeling, nothing at all looked familiar. Have all of the typical companies suddenly gone out of business, I thought? Oh my god, have I missed this all in the news? What is going on? So, I did what any reasonable person would do. I got my phone out, and I took a picture of the aisle's contents. I zoomed in, and to my dismay and slight relief, I realized that my loving, yet completely clueless husband had dropped me off in the adult incontinence aisle. Am I ever glad I didn't leave the final purchase up to him after all? All I can say is thank goodness for online shopping. In all seriousness though, seven years ago when life threw me a huge curveball, the calendar didn't stop and wait for me to tweak things and make all the necessary adjustments. Life was continuing whether i was ready or not so i fumbled my way along making a lot of mistakes but in time i've learned to appreciate even those mistakes some of the greatest gifts that we receive are the unexpected moments that change us forever and force us to consider life from a brand new lens So today, I thought that there'd be no better person to come and chat with us than my friend, Ashley. Thanks so much for coming and chatting with me, Ashley, and welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So you and I have been friends for about six years or so, going way back to the beginning when I knew absolutely nothing. Honestly, what was your first impression of me?
1: At first, I you know I had to laugh because I really you know felt for you in your situation and having to learn all of these skills so quickly all at once, but I had to laugh because I remember you just telling me that you thought blind people wore sweatsuits and with animals on them, so I just you know thought it was hilarious that um here's this lady who thought all blind people were running around in these like cat sweatsuits
0: so my next question is what do you think that people, and society in general should know about you as a woman who is blind?
1: I think the biggest thing is that I'm just as capable as any other woman, mother, employee, friend, wife, uh, as someone who is fully sighted.
0: What is a hobby or something you enjoy doing?
1: I love to snowboard.
0: So you and I have chatted many times over the last few years about awkward situations that somehow we end up getting ourselves into. Typically in the end, they end up being super funny. So I'm just wondering if you'd be willing to share one of your scenarios.
1: I think um, for me, they're funny when they, when they involve you, especially when you are, you know, learning to be comfortable with your cane and all of those things. And I remember the first time I was like, okay, we're going to meet downtown We're going to go shopping at, you know, one of the major malls in the city. And it's just going to be the two of us. And I remember thinking, she obviously thinks I'm absolutely nuts because you didn't sound all that confident in my ability to have this happen. And I remember meeting you downtown and going to the mall and saying, we're just going to feel and shop. And you were like, what? And I said, we're going to walk around the stores and we're going to feel things. And if we want to know more, we'll ask. But otherwise, we're just gonna feel and shop, and so we had like made this whole day of feel and shop, um, and then you know went out for lunch, and it was just really funny. And I think it was—I think I remember you telling me at lunch that it was the first time that you had been out in public downtown where you used to work with your white cane, you know, out in the open without your husband. So I remember it like being really funny and you know laughing a lot and running into things and. You know, all sorts of fun was had, but it was was also like a huge part of you gaining confidence.
0: That brings us to the end of this episode of The Blind Reality. I'd like to thank my friend Ashley for coming and chatting with me today. And as always, I'd like to thank my family for their continued love and support. This episode was written and produced by me, Becky Czar. Technical production was provided by AMI-audio's Sam Robinson. Technical assistance was provided by Matthew Maynard. And the manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Remember, if you need a hand, get it. If you can give a hand, give it. Thanks for listening. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.